to connect your faith to your everyday life. Welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about a concept that choices lead and feelings follow. Now, this whole notion kind of began with the idea that we do have a decision-making power, and we also have emotions and feelings, and they kind of combat each other at times. But as we make choices, our feelings will eventually follow in suit with that. But the reality is many people allow their emotions to lead. Whether they feel good, feel bad, uh, perhaps it's being anxiety-driven on why we do things. There are many things that are feelings that drive us. And so I guess my first question for Ben this, this day is, why do we let our feelings lead? I think that's a, a really important question and concept because, like you said, the reality is a lot of people make decisions based off of how they feel rather than making choices to lead them to the feelings they're supposed to have or that they want to have. Um, I think the short answer is why do we lead with our feelings? Because they're really, really strong. Yeah. Honestly, that's really what it comes down to uh, at the, in the very short answer is because uh, I mean, it's kind of like walking up to somebody in a prison and saying, why do you do what the guard says? And it's like, because he will beat me up if I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, are your emotions and feelings threatening to beat you up if you don't follow them? So not mine anymore. I'm in a much more uh, healthy, emotional place than I used to be. But I think anybody who's ever had like depression or anxiety knows that, mm-hmm. that that's kind of what it feels like is yes. if I do this, then maybe my brain will stop sending the message of you suck. You're a terrible person. You know, I'm going to stop kind of verbally abusing myself if I just eat a half gallon of ice cream right now. That's, you know, leading with my feelings. It will make me feel better for the time being. But in reality, though, we know that this rarely ever works out that way. Our feelings are terrible guides. Like, I mean, I feel like that's such stereotypical advice, especially in kids' movies, is you got to trust your heart, man. No, the heart is a terrible judge. Heart's a (laughs) terrible judge of decisions. The heart is referred to as a deceitful and liar throughout scriptures. Like, the heart is. It's not the one you want to follow. It's deceitful above all things. Who can know it except for God? Like, that's that's the way scripture describes following your heart. So, the reality is that, again, a lot of us do follow our feelings. And you asked why? Because they're strong, they're powerful. Anger is a powerful emotion, sadness is a powerful emotion, and happiness feels good. I, I mean, do you have, do you think there's anything more to it than that? Maybe uh, about why we, let I, I think that follows really that simple answer of they're, they're strong. They're usually in your face. Pretty good. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Like they're, they're right there letting you know, like, Hey, I feel like we need to do this. They're pulling you to do whatever the decision is. And yeah, I think, I think that really does cover it, you know? Yeah, I was I was going to say to what you said about they're in your face. Is that true? Feelings are right now, you know, as opposed to generally when we make choices, we're thinking about down the road 
But when we are leading with our feelings, it's based off of how do I feel right now? And how is this going to make me feel right now? Mm -hmm. Instant gratification. Yeah. So uh, then I, I feel like it's really easy for this kind of a conversation to devolve into, well, then just do the good thing then. Just don't lead with your feelings. Just don't listen to it or something. You know, it, it just kind of, it's, it's Nike everything. Just do it. Just, just do, do it. it. You know, Shia LaBeouf, just do it. Do it. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Um, so the, the argument kind of devolves really quickly into, well, if you know you can't trust your feelings, then you just need to do these things. But the reality is that's that's obviously a lot harder than saying just do this and your life will get better. You will feel better in the long run kind of things. Um, if it were that easy, everybody would just do the right thing all the time and that would be it. But like I said, it's, it's kind of like feelings are strong. So how then... Can we like what are some practical tips to start choosing first to lead our feelings into the right place? I think part of it is, at least for me, finding a way to gamify a decision, giving yourself, like, say the kitchen is messy. I'm going to throw something in the microwave for two minutes. I want to see just how clean I can get it in two minutes. I am choosing that. That's my timer. I am going to choose. I'm going to clean the kitchen while it do, does this instead of I might feel tired and I just want to scroll through social media, be a vegetable. <laughs> now I'm choosing. I'm going to do something instead of uh, really just letting that, that tired feeling dictate. And I think the other thing is to make the choices easier. And, and Ben, you, you and I were talking about this. Like, how do we go about making choices easier? Um, well, first of all, what you said, like with the gamification, um, make them enjoyable. This is, I mean, yeah. this is straight out of Atomic Habits. This isn't like my advice. If you ever want a self-help book to read, highly recommend it. But make it enjoyable. Uh, for me, it's not necessarily a game. But like what I do is, okay, I've got, say, 30 minutes worth of work in the kitchen. So what I'll do is I will put a movie on in my phone. Uh, and it's kind of like to encourage me to keep going. The moment I step out of the kitchen, I have to shut the movie off. Hmm. You know, so I make it enjoyable because it's like, well, I'm watching something I want to watch. Um, but Ooh, I do the same thing with like audiobooks. Like mm -hmm. can only listen to an audiobook when doing chores or at the gym. Yep. Two have poses, to be, have to be doing something productive. Otherwise get shut off. So there's that. But then I would also say uh, a big thing about making it easier is your surroundings. So it, it could be something as simple as again, using atomic habits example, if you want to eat more fruit, then put fruit around your house, you know, put your fruit in a bowl on a table instead of in the fridge. But, you know, this podcast is not about how to eat more fruit. This podcast is about everyday faith. So as Christians, it might mean if you're struggling with choices in your relationship with God, surround yourself with people who are making good choices. You want to pray more? Surround yourself with people who are praying. 
if you have a terrible worship life and you just never really worship, then put yourself in a place of worship. When you surround yourself with people, it's like in Proverbs, it says iron sharpens iron. One brother sharpens another. One sister sharpens another. You know, we, we sharpen each other. And so surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you are trying to do makes it easier to make the right choices in the first place. And then, you know, those feelings that we're seeking after, then those things will be granted to us. Yeah, definitely having, having the environment of people, places, whatever, that push you towards that is definitely going to make it easier to follow through with a choice that you decide. Uh, I think back to like when I was in undergrad and there was almost like a peer pressure level to do the Bible in a year plan from just like almost the entire campus. It felt like because everybody was doing, it was the, the life journal did the Bible in a year, had a little journaling go along with it. Everybody was doing, you know, like first five chapels of the year were all about like, let's get on board. Let's all do this. And when you're in that community where you literally see other people doing it, you're like, oh man, I I need to remember. I need to do that. You get reminded and yeah, you do get that, that pressure. So it's almost like you're, you're weaponizing your feelings to help you like, Hey, I feel like I need to do this because everybody else is. Uh, but it can certainly like that's that's using a choice to weaponize your feelings to help you reinforce that choice. What would it look like then? Because we're, we're talking very abstractly about this idea of choices leading, feelings following or vice versa. So what does it look like? What are some practical real life versions of people leading with their feelings as opposed to making good choices first? I look at things like, for me, eating healthy, going to the gym. Those two things, nobody feels like going to the gym every day. They'd start their New Year's resolution. They're like, man, I'm going to do it. And after, I think, it like, statistically, it's like two or two three weeks. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah you, you hit this point, and you don't feel like it anymore. Your steam has run out and I just don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like eating healthy. I've, you know, I, I went back, I had a, a Big Mac cheeseburger, whatever. Like you had something unhealthy. And you're like, oh man, I forgot how good that was. I want to eat that more again. And so you, you really get driven by your feelings of, I don't want to do this because it's hard. It's challenging, painful, whatever. And you give up that choice. Yeah. You go back to being couch potato. You go back to eating junk and maybe you throw in a salad once a year to feel healthy. Because they feel good. <laughs> Feels good to be a but couch yeah, potato. Yeah, it's it's these those are my like go-to examples of when you let your feelings lead you and you just don't feel like doing the things that are good for you. What what about you, Ben? Well, I was gonna say I you know, to kind of continue that example of what happens then is if you do it often enough and you don't quit because of that feeling, eventually what happens is the feelings start to change. You know, you go sure. to the gym often enough, you eat healthy often enough, eventually it gets to the point where it's like, I can't live without it. 
I mean, we hear people talk about, you know, they, they can't miss their gym day. They get antsy. They have too much energy, whatever it is. Um, or when they eat healthy for long enough and then they go back and eat unhealthy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When they eat unhealthy, that makes them sick. So I think another big area, though, where we see people really commonly lead with their feelings and everyone's going to know someone, they're going to elbow someone, they're going to be like, oh, I know the person who does this is relationships. Whether that's friendships or romantic relationships, people love jumping into relationships because I love him or I love her, man. It's just we... We make these decisions, not even just who we're going to be with, but how we're going to treat them, how we manage a relationship based off of how it feels. We, and especially that feeling of not adoration, not affect, infatuation. That's the word I'm looking for. That feeling of infatuation yes. is a powerful feeling. And people love, 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 love to follow that feeling wherever it goes. And, and, you know, coming back to the idea of putting yourself in situations or circumstances that reinforce the behaviors you want, we are constantly bombarded with the idea that infatuation is a good thing to follow after. I mean, look at, look yeah. at the Disney movies. Cinderella. Say, every romance movie out there, like. She, this dude was a prince and he's like, I danced with this girl once. Like, I have to know who this is. He knows nothing about Cinderella. He doesn't know anything about whether they get along, whether she would actually be a good wife to him. But he's like, she's pretty. <laughs> That's infatuation. And he he just jumped straight into it. Found her, put on these glass slippers. We're not going to get into the whole nonsense of why that plot didn't make any sense. But... We are taught from a young age that infatuation, it is, it's a good thing to follow your heart. And again, it's just not usually. So, I mean, kind of what I did with yours, what, what would be the counter to this then? Instead of just following your heart into a relationship, what would it look like if we focused on the choices first rather than choosing based off of how we felt? Man, I, I see another layer of feelings in this that also drive it. It's not just the infatuation, but we feel like we need somebody else to complete us. Um, and I hole in my heart. Right. I mean, especially working with the students, you see it in some students lives where there's this social pressure where they feel like they need to have a, a romantic relationship. And it's like, no, you, you don't. Uh, I, I think back to my undergrad there's a professor because it was a Christian university. Everybody's getting married all the time. Probably don't support it to, to the speed at which people were getting married there. But he, <laughs> he would ask them like the first round of premarital counseling and be like, name 10 good reasons why you should be married right now. And just because I love them is not a valid answer for one of them. Yeah. And there's so much more, decision-making factor that really goes into a relationship. Am I ready for a relationship? Am I in a good place? Is the other person in a good place? If one of us is not, am I willing to wait for that other person to be in a good place? Am I willing to wait till I'm in a good place? Like there's a lot of emotional junk that we carry around. Like 
are we actually consciously ready to make that choice in a good and healthy way? Yeah. Most people just want to jump in and be like, oh, I love them. They're so great. They're amazing. And it's like, <laughs> y'all calm down a little. You, you got to make sure like there's the end goal of a romantic relation is a lifelong choice to be with that person together forever. forever. So yeah, you should be making that as a conscious choice of, is this actually a good decision for both of us? Yeah. And I think, again, there's that question of, um, do we make each other better? You know, that's mm-hmm. a big one. Do, does this person bring out the best in me? And so what we're left with is when we lead with our feelings, we just go, I love this person. I'm attracted to them. They make me happy or they make me not lonely. So I'm going to go ahead and initiate a relationship or take it to the next stage. But with choices leading, it's I'm going to evaluate first where we're at, where we're going, and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to seek advice. I'm going to make sure that I have thought through what I'm doing and I'm going to, I'm going to choose things like reading a book on relationships, listening to some podcasts, listening to a pastor or someone I trust and respect before I move forward. It's taking premarital counseling before you get married. You know, that's leading with choices. And then what happens is when you do all of the work first and you make the right choices ahead of time, the feelings that come later last longer and are better and are healthier than the relationship that got started just because, well, that person made me feel not lonely anymore. So big facts. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big facts. So what then are some ways that we see this kind of concept in our faith where we have to choose to do something that maybe our feelings tell us otherwise. Maybe our feelings say, this is not worth doing, or I just don't want to do this, or even this is not the best idea. So where are some areas where in our faith, we have to choose to do things anyways, even though our feelings are pointing us a different direction? Well, you see, I I got back from a a trip late Saturday night, Sunday morning. I just don't feel like going to church. Mm -hmm. Choose to go anyway. Well, you have to preach. (laughs) (laughs) oh that reminds me of of a great joke about the there's a guy waking up sunday morning and uh, and i don't remember it was like the the wife or the mother whoever somebody comes to wake him up and it's like i don't want to go to church and they're like no you got to go up and go anyway the people there don't like me gotta go up do it anyway (laughs) but I don't like the people either. You gotta get up and do it anyway. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to go. He's like, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've uh... felt the experience of that joke, but it, <laughs> that just reminded me. You know, you gotta go anyway. They don't like but me. It's not there. just for the pastors that have to go. Like everybody should oh, make that conscious man. decision. Yes, you're you're tired. You're you've had a busy week. I can just watch it on live stream. Like I've worked a lot of hours getting live stream set up uh, during COVID. It's a great thing, but it shouldn't be the excuse of why we don't go and be a part of community on a Sunday morning. I would, I would add to that too. Obviously the choice not to go to church is 
more complicated for many people than just, oh, I'm tired on Sundays. Or even because inevitably someone will say, why don't you go to church on Wednesday? Or why don't you go to church on Saturday night? It's more complicated than just, I'm tired or I don't feel like it. Some people, maybe they don't feel like going to church because they don't feel like they're growing or they don't feel connected or maybe even because they've dealt with some kind of hurt at church. And so what's the benefit then to them or what's, how would it be different if they just went anyways? Well, I think part of that is breaking down some of those objections. I don't feel like I'm growing. Well, okay. What are you going and just sitting blankly in the seat? I mean, I, I have had Sunday mornings where I've preached and I literally thought people were dead in the front rows because they, they, they came in, they said, we got to sit in the front row and they gave a blank face the entire time. And I'm like, I, I my, my people are right behind you smiling and then like giving, giving me like good feedback. I, y'all, y'all, I'm scared for you, but are you just going and sitting? Are you paying attention? Are you engaged? I don't feel like I have community there. Well, do you sit in the back seat and as soon as the service start, you slide in mm-hmm. as soon as the service ends, you, you get out. Cause if you do that, I would understand why you don't feel like you have community there. There's a lot of those little things where it's like, you can choose to engage differently. And yes, it might be a little more energy, a little, little more mental capacity. Maybe it's, it's joining a Bible study, but going anyway will help you to build the bridge to those things. And what ultimately, and man, if you, sorry, go on. If you know you, you need something more, more engaging and you're literally just going Sunday morning, maybe you've heard about a, a Bible study or something that the, the church is doing. It's like going to the gym where they say the first week or two or three that you're trying to go to the gym, just show up. Maybe get in like, even if you just drive your car there and sit there for an hour and play on your phone, if you just show up to the gym, that is the first step. Eventually you have to make the second step. You got to make a, a choice beyond that, but you can build a habit of being there. And then eventually you'll get that feeling you were talking about earlier of you're there so much. It feels wrong when you're not. And that's what I was going to say is what ultimately happens is you choose to go and not just sit there not just sit in the back and run, but you choose to go, you choose to be involved and, and you start making those connections where before you felt like, well, none of the people like me, eventually you go often enough, you're going to find somebody. And if you just absolutely don't, well, you can choose to go to another church. That's okay too. But you know, if you are choosing to get involved, you're choosing to serve, eventually what happens is you will start to feel like a community. You will start to feel like you belong. So if you make those choices intentionally first, even though maybe you just don't feel like going, eventually those feelings that you wanted to be there at the beginning will start to come. I think another big one we see is just as much as people are, they have excuses for not going to church. uh, They have even more for not reading the Bible. Oh man, how many times uh, I've had the the conversation with people about, oh, I don't really have time to read my Bible. I'm sorry. Show me your screen time report right now. We're going to go through (laughs) and and we're going to look at your screen time report. How much time do you spend on Instagram? How much time do you spend on Facebook, on TikTok, on Snapchat, on what, you know, like, don't tell me you don't have time. I don't 
I feel like I'm too busy for that. No, you are too busy not to do it, sir or ma'am. Like, just no. I don't feel like I have time is the worst reason to not read the Bible. Uh, another big one is, well, I feel like the Bible's boring. Now, there's a pastor. <laughs> there's a pastor I listen to. Uh, he has a his sermons on Spotify. It's called The Voyage Church. I don't remember the pastor's name. Sorry, pastor, whoever. I love your sermons. I just don't remember your name. But he says, if you are reading the Bible and you say, oh, the Bible's too boring. I'm sorry. You're boring. <laughs> there's action. There's romance. There's cheating. There's scandals. There's murder. There's all sorts no, of old testament is wild my, yeah there's a there's a guy who tricks all the people into leaving the room with the king and he's in there alone and he stabs the fat king with a sword and literally the king is so fat that his belly like swallows the sword whole and he runs off out through a window and all of the people are sitting outside the room waiting for the king to come out and they go, Oh, he must be going to the bathroom. And after an hour, they get embarrassed. They're like, he's been in there for a long time. Let's go in and get him. And they see the king's dead. This guy's long gone. Dude, what a crazy story. Like the, the, they even described that the king is so fat. His belly swallowed the sword. That's some, that's some wild stuff, man. Bible's not boring. So again, well, I will ask <laughs> our feelings are, are really easy to say, well, I, I just feel like I'm too busy. I feel like it's boring. I just, I don't really enjoy it that much. The alternative is just read anyway. Why? What's, what's that going to look like if we would just choose to read anyway? I mean, I, I would hope the first choice would eventually lead us to realize that scripture is not boring in the slightest. Like you, you need something, an action adventure pull open some some judges like Ooh. you got your action adventure stories right there you want you want to see some scandals happen like king had one like, <laughs> yeah king's got some wild stuff going on there uh yeah but if, as you choose to actually open it up and whether it's you you make the small step first and you say all right well i'm going to try to listen listen to the bible that's still a, a first step in the right direction. And sometimes a good narrator can help you really understand like the flesh out of the Bible. Like it's, it's coming to life a little bit more. And I, I really do think part of it is just choosing to learn how to read it. Because mm -hmm. I think many people love to open up the Bible and read in this nice monotone voice and just everything happens just like this. And Jesus raised from the dead on the third day. And like, it's not supposed to be so bland like that. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little bit of fault in this as a pastor and speaking on behalf of other pastors. A lot of that is our responsibility. We're kind of at mm -hmm. fault for that because we, I mean, think about how many churches pray the Lord's prayer during their service. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. Like, it's just, it's rote. It's rote memorization. There's no feeling, there's no emotion, but like, do you really think that's what Jesus said when he's preaching and teaching on how to pray? Do you think that's how he did it? No, he's our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, what if we mm -hmm. read all of scripture like that instead of for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. 
you can read like that in your head too. You're allowed to do that. You don't have to read in, in robo voice. You don't have to use that. What's the, the meme voice that they use now is the Google, Google translate voice. Yeah. Whatever that, it is. Ugh, hate those memes, but well, and you can also like take, take a chapter, maybe read through it one time in that monotone and then like try to get in the heads of the, the characters and be like, okay, okay, wait a minute. So, uh, I think we were talking earlier about like, Peter walking on the water in our like pre pre recording time. And like it, you hear Jesus be like, come, come out. And like, I, again, you read it the first time you're like, okay, step out. Like I, the way I imagine that, like he is in the middle of a storm. I imagine Jesus voice is like booming voice of God. Like it, it, it's epic the way he is standing there. And yeah, we, we do it disservice. And yes, I, I do think that it's something that we as a whole need to improve better on. And I thank Dr. Freimeyer from Asbury for convincing me to take public reading of scripture. It's a great class. So much about that. And it, it is definitely our duty. But, but also it's also, like, <laughs> yeah, we all own into it. Now, there is one more specific feeling I think it's worth uh, noting about why people don't read the Bible is, well, I don't feel like I'm getting anything from it. Man, Will, I speak to that. I know I know you've got something to say on this. So, oh, man, if you feel like you are not getting something and, and that might go back to to just reading it, either to read it or reading it in this monotone voice where it's just whatever. You know, there is such a depth to scripture. You you just got to dig a little bit. Sometimes like you need, you need a nice little study Bible that can help you link some stuff together. You could find a little commentary. You can also just read it in community and be like, hey, I'm trying to understand. Why is Jesus saying this? Why is Jesus flipping tables at the temple? Like, there's so much depth <laughs> to this stuff that you just read quickly and be like oh yeah just flip some temp some tables at the temple cool whatever uh like no there is depth and meaning behind every action in the gospels there is depth between every action that happens throughout old and new testament and yet we just read it as if it was a cool little religious book i guess yeah which, i mean it, it is a cool <clears throat> religious book but it's it's more than that big it's intertwined it's epic it's grand we don't give it the credit that it needs to do. And sometimes we need to choose to just dig a little deeper. Yeah. I think it comes down to like scripture is not meant just to be read. It's meant to be lived. Scripture isn't there for us to just read it. Like I said, in a monotone voice and, and memorize it. Like the, the example I always go back to is, you know, who's got scripture memorized Satan. <laughs> you know, who doesn't do any of what he's supposed to based off of scripture, Satan why that's why that's ultimately why he doesn't exactly uh, click with god is because he knows everything he's supposed to know and he refuses to do it because he hates god you know so scripture's not there just for us to read and memorize we have to give it our time we have to choose to let scripture change us and even just understanding that so much of the like new testament scripture was literally designed to be read out loud. Yes. I like, love it's reading not it out loud now. That's a new thing I've been started doing. Yeah. Game changer. Game like, changer. 
like the book of Hebrews is basically like a sermon, mm-hmm. like such a good one. But you know, we, we sometimes do it a disservice uh, in any part of the Bible where we just read a little snippet here and there. Mm-hmm. It's grand. It's intertwining. It's comes together. I promise you, you read it all together. You'll start to feel like it's coming together. Now, the last one I, I do want to touch on is a big thing where people, they lead with their feelings is this statement of, I don't have time. I don't feel like I have time. And we, we mentioned that's an excuse for not reading the Bible. It's an excuse for not going to church. Um, but I think that the biggest area where we see people say, I don't feel like I have time for this. And it's such a, a detriment to lead with that feeling is with Sabbath. This idea that as Christians, we are, we are commanded to rest just for one day a week. But we live in a society that is so insistent that no, you have to, you have to work. There's more to be done. There's more to be done. Yeah. Hustle culture, grind culture, whatever you want to call it. Like it's just constant. Like you must be productive all the time, every single day. And if you don't, then you're failing your family. You're failing yourself. You're not a man enough. You're not a good enough wife. You're not a a good enough woman, whatever it is. It's like, if you're not always being productive, always doing something, then you're going to fall behind. And we say, well, I just don't have time to take a day off. It's really easy to fall into that trap of missing out on the blessing of Sabbath when you lead with your feelings, because it's never going to feel like you have time. But if you choose to do it anyways, and you choose to say, you know what, if God commanded me to rest, I'm going to trust that he's going to carry me through that day of rest. I'm going to trust that if I take a period of rest, he's not just going to let my whole life fall apart because I'm resting one day a week, just as he commanded me to. Mm-hmm. Command, not a suggestion. Yes. <laughs> it's in the Ten Commandments. Yes. So that's another area where if we would just choose first to say, I am going to rest simply because I was told to rest then that feeling of just peace that comes with it, the feeling of peace that we're trying to get by working harder now will eventually come. And and, and that sometimes takes place at a lot of other small choices that lead to that choice of, okay, I can take a full 24 hours off. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that starts with choosing to work extra hard during the other days. Yeah. It's choosing to use your schedule in such a way that everything's going to be done so you can just enjoy a day. Mm-hmm. Just existing. Yeah. What a concept. Enjoying existence. <laughs> Crazy, don't, right? Don't say that to Gen Z kids because I feel like a lot of them are going to be like, who, who does that? You know, I'm Gen Z before anyone gets all upset and cancels me. I know of our, you know, our listeners that there are some Gen Z's out there. I'm Gen Z. And let me tell you that most of my peers will say things like that. An elder Zennial. Stop. <laughs> um, oh. So I just, I think it's worth noting too, that sometimes we talk about stuff like this and, you know, at the end of the day, me and Will, we are just a couple of guys. Yes, we are youth pastors. 
yes, we have our master's degrees, but that alone is not a qualification for why you should just trust us and trust our advice and put your life in our hands. Like we're not asking you to do that. Um, and I think it's important sometimes to bring in some outside help to show that this is not just coming from us, but this concept of obedience of, of, choosing first and then letting your feelings adjust to the choices you make it's beyond just us so uh, i wanted to mention a couple of quotes the first one was from martin luther and then will if you could take c.s lewis sure i can take yeah love me some lewis (laughs) so martin luther and not the dr king martin luther but the reformer martin luther Uh, He was really big on prayer. And one of the things we said is a lot of people say, I just don't have time to stop and pray. I don't have time to take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of prayer. But one of his famous quotes, he says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. What a what a countercultural concept of because I am so busy, I don't have time to not pray. I have so much to do that I can't afford not to give time to God, not to communicate with God. I mean, what a concept. And I think that's such a powerful way to approach busyness. This idea of, I just don't feel like I have enough time. I don't feel like I can. He chooses to do the action first, do what he's commanded to do, do what God tells him to do, which is to pray, continually pray without ceasing, do that first. And then what happens is Martin Luther lives a life of peace. Martin Luther lives a a life of, of understanding and serenity and rest and God and assurance. And he gets all those things that everyone else is hoping eventually they'll get if they're just productive enough. If I just keep working. And obviously we all know from the many people who have worked their whole lives, you can work all you want, but it's never going to be enough to bring you to that feeling of peace that you're looking for. But when you start with obedience, when you start with choices and and doing what God asks of you first, you find those things not only quicker, but a better version of them that lasts a lot longer. Yeah. I'm jumping over to C.S. Lewis. And I'm going to give you a little context here before I read the quote. It's from Mere Christianity and it's talking about a human marriage, but this is also kind of true of our relationship, our our marriage, quote-unquote. And it reads like this. Knowledge can last. Principles can last. Habits can last. But feelings can go. But, of course, ceasing to be in love need not mean ceasing to love. Love in this second sense, love as distinct from being in love, is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit. I love that, man. That is, uh, Mere Christianity is one of those like top five books that changed my life that's not the Bible. Love that. (laughs) Habits last, feelings come and go, principles last, knowledge last, all of these things. Like, they're so much more permanent, but feelings, they just, they're not reliable as something to lead our life. We no. cannot trust in our feelings to make the decisions for us because they just, they change so quickly. Um, yeah. It's, it's something that's so volatile. 
in our society and like how we feel about things changes so, so quickly. Yeah. There can be social backlash and now we don't feel the same way about something. There's, uh, you know, we had one bad interaction with somebody. Now we don't feel like going to church because we felt like this person was being mean. Maybe I heard it out of context. I still feel like they were being mean to me or whatever. Now I don't want to do this. Feelings are so fragile and finicky, and they're not something solid for us to base our lives around. Yeah. So I, I do want to touch on one last one from just another outside source, someone who for me and will was pretty influential because we went to a wesleyan university is uh john wesley and one of his big experiences was he was told by a friend when he told him i just don't feel like i have enough faith he he started with that feeling that i don't feel like i have enough faith i don't feel like i can preach this and his friend told him preach faith until you have faith and then because you have it you will preach it just do what you know you're supposed to do. Just trust God. Choose first. Make the choices that you need to make and you know you ought to make. And then that feeling of, you know, in, in Wesley's example, once you get the faith, then you're going to want to preach faith all the time because you have it. Those feelings will come in time and, and you can't control when the feelings are going to come and go but you can choose what you do. And eventually, if you do those things that we are called to do, the feelings will come with it. The feelings that you, you are waiting for to start. Um, will, do you have anything yeah. else before we close out our I, I episode today? To, to throw in this, this small little reference here to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is all about the... the I guess future people of Israel, the the becoming people of Israel, like they're they're coming, they're becoming Israel, they're taking the land, they're entering the the promised land, taking over, doing their thing, and there is still a lot of pagan worship going on, yeah, in in their surroundings. There are people around them doing their own worship, and as the book is ending, the the land's been allotted. It's all said and done, and Joshua, who's kind of been their leader throughout this whole time, gives this speech at the end. And it goes from Joshua 24 to 1 to 28, and it has this famous line in verse 24. I've seen it on like a lot of little plaques and homes where it's, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But this whole passage was basically Joshua saying like, look, I understand there is a lot of pressure coming from around us. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You need to choose today. Are you going to serve God or are you going to choose to serve others? And they all said, we choose to follow, follow God. We choose to follow God. And if, again, go back to read the rest of the Old Testament. They did not stick to their choice. They felt like they wanted to other things. Mm. But that choice was so important that he he was trying to pressure them. Like, no, you need to know this is a choice and you're going to have to stand firm and you won't feel like it all the time. It's going to be hard, but choose to do it anyway. Yeah. And these are like, this is Joshua's dying words to the people yeah. of Israel. He's only got a, a little bit of time left. 
to talk to them and give them a, a message to last. And this is what he says. You need to choose today whom you're going to serve. So I, I think really what, what there is to take away from this is that you can't trust your feelings to, to lead you in things. Like we titled this choices lead feelings follow. If we do the things that we know we're supposed to do first, then all of those feelings that we're chasing after those feelings of belonging, the feelings of understanding of peace, of rest, of comfort, those things will come through choosing obedience to God. And it's so crucial to remember that those things that are best for you, they're often not going to feel the best right off the bat and they're not going to come naturally. It takes a choice. It takes choosing to obey before you feel like doing it. Thanks again for listening this week. We'd like to give a special thank you to Travis D'Amato for both our theme music and sound editing. If you like either, you can find and contact him at Music 93 on Instagram. That's D-A-M-A-T-O Music 93. Remember to follow us on social media at Everyday Faith Podcast. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to share it. We're always looking for feedback to help us grow, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Faith Podcast.